0: Welcome to the Glad to Podcast. I am Lauren Romo, and with me, as always, is my cousin and fellow nerd, Andrea Gutierrez. Yo, yo, yo! What's going on? In
1: chilling
0: like a Clone Wars villain. <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> Lot to talk about. Uh, another Mandalorian chapter come and gone, and we're doing another recap for you, kids. So, uh, but if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We are a Star Wars podcast that discuss anything and everything within that galaxy far, far away. In each episode, we will dive into one or two topics and have a general discussion on them. Topics could be TV series, books, comics, a specific character, you name it. We talk about it. Andrea, Mandalorian, Chapter 12. Initial thoughts. What do you got? Amazing.
1: My expectations were kind of low just because I'm a jerk and I let outside issues mess with my perception of people which is fine. And uh, I was kind of like, man, I think I'm not going to like this episode. and I'm going to be grumpy about it. And it was so good. It was so good.
0: Yeah, no, it was uh, same thing. I I think outside, you know, with that certain actress had me a little worried, but the overall story and where they're going with it, it was great. Uh, Carl Weathers did an amazing job directing. Knocked it out. Yeah. He really knocked it out of the park for sure. So, um, so but we'll start with a quick synopsis then we'll kind of dive into our predictions, our feelings on it as we do as we've been doing with these Mando recap shows. I want to so, say one uh, more thing, yeah, one more thing. classic
1: child classic
0: baby Yoda <laughs> it was classic <laughs> <laughs> the little guy steals the show. he is amazing every time, every time, and it gets it just gets better it just gets better, so okay. Uh, so we start Chapter 12. Obviously, last week, uh, we got the uh, cameo of Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan drops uh drops the Ahsoka Tano name drop. So he is on his way to go see her. But obviously, as we know, the ship's pretty damaged. So uh, in the beginning, he's trying to do some repairs while Baby Yoda's in the little... Uh, I don't know whatever you want to call it like he's a, in like a control area control yeah, panel control. yeah he's in a panel he's, he is in a panel <laughs> literally a panel so he asked baby Yoda to like try to put these wires together and he's talking to him like he like the baby would understand him which is quite funny I think there should be. An extended scene for that, where
1: like it starts from the beginning. I want you to crawl in this hole and you go all the way back there. It was so good. (laughs) I want more of that.
0: That'd be fun to see, like in the gallery if they do another gallery, like yeah, uh, yeah, behind the scenes. That'd be really funny. Obviously, uh, that doesn't work. Maybe Yoda doesn't know what to do, so he decides to go to Navarro, visit some old friends, and get his ship repaired. He does go to Navarro, and what we find out is that. Uh, his friends, Grief Karga, and uh, this will be the only time I'll say the Cara character's Dune. name. Cara I'll Dune. say it for you. Yeah. yeah. So she, they, those two have been basically cleaning up the town in two different ways. He's been, uh, Grief Karga has been doing more clerical stuff, and that other character is now the marshal of the town. <laughs> so-
1: yeah. So he's a magistrate again. He's not just like this dude that. Like deals out bounties and tries to capture people. He's a magistrate. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, Cardoone's yep. yep. character is a marshal. I guess we have more than one on the show now, which I find strange, but whatever. And it looks nice. It's looking
0: looking good. Yeah, Navarro looked really good. Uh, obviously, from what they've been doing. So uh, what they find out is Mando uh, Mando lands the Razor which is jacked up uh karga gets a couple of mechanics to start working on it and then they tell mando that they have some business to discuss they take him to a school in which that's where in season one where they were hiding out from moff gideon in the cantina and everything so that they turn that that area into a school which was very 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 cool to see and they leave uh baby yoda there Mando wasn't really too happy about it but he he trusted that they were that they were going to be okay that he was going to be okay the baby. So what they find out is the business that his two friends wanted to talk to him about is there is a old imperial factory, I believe, was it a factory or just some type of base? I think they called it an imperial base that they assume was not not a lot going on there because muff Gideon to their knowledge, had died, so everything kind of shrunk down. So they were going to go and kind of finish and remove everything that the anything imperial on Navarro. So then Navarro could be completely free of imperial entanglements or anything like that. What do you got? Yeah, here?
1: it was like an imperial base uh, built over some lava flats, the lava flats and in, in lava area over on Navarro. They said there should only be a skeleton crew left on um, there ever since Moff Gideon died, or they assumed he died, obviously he didn't. uh, and they said that's you know when all those Imperials had shown up in season one, that's where they were all stationed at. you know, grief really wanted to get rid of this area so that he could make Navarro more respectable and not challenged in any way by outside sources, and he could be like a hub for like trading and then. The weapons that were in there, he could be able to trade and deal with them instead of people coming in on the black market trying to do it, you know. And then Cardoon wanted to get rid of it to to free the planet to allow the people to live without fear and
0: worry of the Empire resurging. Right. So they uh, so with the help of the Mithril, who was in season one, he comes back and is. Like Grief Karga is kind of... Uh, accountant? Accountant, yeah. I was <laughs> accountant, I guess, is kind of what you would call him. He works uh, the books. He works the books. He works the books. And he's working off uh, the debt to Karga. So that's all. That, that's fun. So they go to this Imperial base. Basically drive right up to the front door, which is kind of funny. And the door doesn't work to get uh, to get up to the base from the ground. Mando... Jets himself up, and then all of a sudden you hear a stormtrooper fall, and then the door open. But what they find out is that there's a lot, a lot more activity on this base than they assume. So their goal is to uh, set the reactor off, which is very Star Wars, uh, but the reactor is powered by the lava. So um, they, have, they get to the reactor room. They have the mithril guy start kind of the whole shutdown of it, uh, which he makes a comment about there's no um, rails. Guardrails. Guardrails. rails is <laughs> hilarious. I, I, that, that was very, very funny. It's a, great, it's a great Star Wars, like just kind of. Dig. It fun was of kind itself. of a Star Wars dig, I think. Yeah. It was Making good. fun of itself. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So they start. Um, he starts it. They start taking off. And then they run into, which they find out into another room as they're leaving, but it's a lab. So they find out that. The um, Dr Dr. Pershing from season one, they found a ho- they find a hologram of him explaining things to Moth Gideon saying that they've been trying to replicate the DNA from the baby, but obviously he couldn't he didn't only had so much, so he needs more. They're doing these tests and all of a sudden you see these big giant like Baka tanks of creatures in it. a lot of speculation and we'll we'll talk about it after. What that could be. Um, So then they decide to, you know, they decide to, they got to get out of there. Mando knows that then if Moff Gideon's alive, then he knows he's going to go after the child. So he juts back to town. And then the other three steal a transport chair and are in a really good chase uh, by the stormtroopers on the, uh, the scout bikes. Yeah. Great stuff. And um, then they're getting chased by uh, these new TIE, the Folding TIE Fighters. Yeah. Uh, really good action uh, in this whole sequence. I liked it. I really liked it a lot. And then in the end, Mando shows up in the Razor Crest, takes down the TIE Fighters, doing some really great maneuvers, great ship-to-ship action uh, in the sky, dogfights. It was good. So then what happens is we kind of cut to Mando decides to leave because, you he know, he's figuring Moff Gideon's probably not going to be too far behind. So he's got to get to where he's got to go, which we assume is getting to Ahsoka Tano. Right. And then we have uh, the old X-Wing Carson shows up talking to both Karga and uh Cardoon and seeing what he could find out. But obviously they don't really give too much information. And then we go to a scene where one of the mechanics that was fixing the Razorcrest is on a hologram, and they're talking to an Imperial officer, saying that they put a tracker inside the Razorcrest. That Imperial officer goes to Moff Gideon, who's in some type of, again, lab of sorts, and tells him that the Razorcrest has the tracker on it, and that it's confirmed the asset is with him. So then Moff Gideon says, then we will be ready. And then you see this shot of black-suited, we don't know if it's clones, droids of some kind. There's speculation of what it could be. We'll get to it in a minute. And then that's the end of the episode. So good, again, solid episode. I know some people are saying this. Quote unquote filler. I don't no believe way. that. That is way too much information that we got, especially in the last like five, five, ten minutes. A lot going on. A Did lot, you, lot, lot going on. So, yeah, think what do you got? Your people thoughts?
1: just think it's filler if Ahsoka Tano isn't in it. I mean, I feel like that's every time Ahsoka Tano doesn't show up in an episode, they're like, man, it's filler. I'm like, shut up.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think they're just waiting for the action they want, all that, which. Again, you watch, it if you have watched Star Wars, Clone Wars, um, or Star Wars Rebels, you know these episodes. They're not going to give everything in every episode. It's a it's a drawn out. It's a it's a drawn not a drawn out process, but it's storytelling. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. They're not going to you know throw everything at you in two seasons when supposedly there's four seasons coming. So it's, it's it's storytelling. So these episodes matter because of what's going on, what is said. And, you know, I believe this has gave us a lot of information. So two things kind of struck out to me. The first thing is that in these first four episodes of the season, we have seen everything in the trailers, every scene, every yeah. anything that was in the trailer was in these four first four episodes. Yep. Yeah. So now we are in for a. I think a wild ride with these last four episodes because we have no idea. We don't have footage. We don't know what's going to happen. We have an idea of where he's going next, and my assumption is obviously next episode. As we know, uh, some of some people might know that Dave Filoni is writing and directing the next episode, and we know we are going to Ahsoka Tano, so it makes perfect sense that we will see her in this episode at some point. We don't know when. We don't know if it's going to be a uh, a real quick scene we don't know we don't know, what we do know is this is that Moff Gideon is on Mando's tail, he knows that he has the asset, he knows that he can track him now. I expect a big conflict in this next episode to a certain degree you know i I think there's a lot that's gonna happen, and then I think the last three episodes are gonna be it's gonna be wild it's gonna be- <laughs> it's gonna be wild so. What I think was what I think we saw in that last couple minutes with Moff Gideon, and thanks to our friends at the Star Wars Friends podcast. Um, I'm not a EU big person. I know Andrea is, you know, we're not EU people. We don't, we haven't read any of the books. So we, we found out that what those black suited um, figures, clones, or whatever whatever they're called in the EU, they're called dark troopers. They were very similar to droids, but like super advanced, super um, fast, apparently. And there might be speculation that because of people stealing Beskar, these guys might have Beskar armor instead of just your typical Clone War stuff. So would, what do you think of all that? The ending and everything like that? What, where are you at with all this? The ending um, just put my stress level
1: way high. <laughs> To hear that they're tracking the Razor Razorcrest and knowing that Din slash Mando, whatever you want to call him, is on his way to go to Corvus to see Ahsoka Tano and to meet up with a Jedi is what he's he's quested to find another of Baby Yoda's kind. <laughs> Dude's quest. He didn't say that. I've been quested. Um, you know. The fact that he's going there and Moff Gideon is on his tail is Super crazy. I mean, I guess we kind of assumed every time Mando goes to a planet, he like goes there. He's not really being followed. But eventually someone shows up, you know, looking for the child, looking for Din to know that someone is on his trail right behind him is a whole different ball game because he's going to get there and it's not going to be this casual conversation. I mean, it might for a little bit, but that sense of urgency we're all going to be feeling because we know what's coming. We know that the bad guys are are coming and that the stakes are like really high. So I can't believe they're tracking the Razor Crest. I was shocked to find that out. I didn't think that was going to happen.
0: Yeah, I didn't think that would be how Moth they would, would find, him. find him. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was thinking some other way, shape or form. But it's It makes sense because obviously Moff Gideon, you know, this asset is very important to him, as we know. I think we're finding that the reason why is because they are doing these different uh, testing with the with baby Yoda's blood because he has a high, as they called it, M count, as we know, midichlorians. So they're trying to <laughs> you just rolled your eyes so hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny. I mean it's funny that they didn't say midichlorians, but they said M count. It was like they didn't want to say it, but then they semi said it. Yeah. <laughs> it <was> just <laughs> it was just funny to me that that's how they that's how they brought it up into the show. But there's a lot there's a lot going on. Um, you know, when we went to that lab on Navarro, we see creatures in these again, bacca tanks. Speculation is those are Snoke's. I I don't believe that yet. I don't believe that yet. I don't think that's where we are. I do. I don't think that's where Moth Gideon is at. I think it's. I think they're doing something different. Honestly, because I I just don't I don't know if they'll go that deep. I would like them to connect it that way. I don't know if they're going to connect it that. way. That kind of, like, just right there in your face, direct connection to the sequel trilogy. I could be wrong. I could be way off, but that's fine. But this is just kind of where I'm at with it. I don't think it's Snoke. I think it's just other creatures or other volunteers that they've tried, but obviously have died. I think that could be it. I I don't know, man. It's it's wild, though, because now we have cloning is a very big thing now in this show, as we know. This is this is huge, as we kind of expected because of Pershing's insignia on his shoulder that we saw in season one. We know he's part of the Camino cloning, so we are going down this path of cloning, which is very cool. It's very Star Wars, obviously from the prequels, so it makes sense. I personally think that Gideon. Here's my thing with Moff Gideon right now is that I think he's just he is. Part of, obviously, this new era, this new order that they're forming, as we know, from the Aftermath series. So I think he's trying to, and I think where he's at, is he's in the Mandalore Mandalore system. I think he is trying to rule Mandalore. Or he is acting as the, the regent governor of Mandalore. And maybe that's where he was... Before um, the Death Star blew up and everything, maybe that's where he was stationed maybe just like Moth Gideon was the re- like the regent governor of the outer rim, maybe that's what uh, or I'm sorry Tarkin maybe that's where uh, Moth Gideon is he was regent governor before uh, the Death Star and the emperor dies. Maybe he's still trying to control it um, for you know either his own reasons or for obviously for the empire being trying to be reestablished. Because as we know, in comics and books, there's a whole Project Cinder going on that the Emperor was implementing. So a lot of things, a lot of connections that we can make through the books, comics, and everything like that. So what do you think about those kind of Project Cinder or anything like that coming into play in these last uh, four episodes?
1: Yeah, so for some of our listeners that might not be that familiar when the emperor died or i'll say quotations died he had a contingency plan and he wanted obviously for the empire to live long so long live the empire just like moff gideon said and he had this project in place called project cinder where he um would continue the destruction of planets just to show that the empire still had rule and power, even without him, that really didn't hold on for that long, honestly, because the rebellion was there for it. The rest of the galaxy didn't really stand for that either. So the rebellion was very successful of overthrowing the empire after the emperor's death and creating the new Republic. While all that was happening, some of the other plans that the Emperor, Emperor had in place was obviously creating clone shells for his own essence, as we learned in The Rise of Skywalker. And we also know that he created Snoke, who was the supreme leader of the First Order. So do I think it's Snoke in those tanks? Yes, I absolutely do. Because I think for the Empire to re-establish themselves They need a sole leader, just like they call Snoke a supreme leader. You can't have a bunch of admirals and lieutenants and commanders running an empire or running a new order. You have to have one pinpoint. So I think that was something that they were really working hard on pushing is getting that persona in place. So I really do think that that was Snoke. I think that's freaking awesome. I really do. You know, we talked about it on the Star Wars Friends podcast. If the Mandalorian is going to sew up holes from the sequel trilogy, just like how Clone Wars and Rebels, or mostly Clone Wars, sewn up some holes in the prequel trilogies, I think that that is absolutely outstanding. Because there's a lot of information that happened in the sequel trilogies or a lot of events in the sequel trilogies that we don't have information towards, you know? We kind of have to have our own headcanon. We have to piece it together through comics, through novels. So it's going to be nice to see if some of that stuff can get like flushed out. It's going to be awesome. So yes, do I think it's Snoke? Damn, I really hope so. I really hope that it's Snoke. I also know that, I know this isn't canon, but in the Darth Plagueis novel, which is EU, that Palpatine and his master Plagueis experimented with Force beings, beings that had high M counts with regular beings that were either like, like had high immunity or had high strength because they were trying to create force things that would be able to, they could use as soldiers and use them in battle. So them using baby Yoda's blood to fulfill these maybe dark troopers, create a Snoke, um, create a um, a sith i i really don't know i find that all i find that mind-blowing that that's the route that they have to take there isn't just a sith or a high force being that they can recruit doesn't that kind of blow your mind that there's not like a bad guy <laughs> out in the world there's not more wanting to be sith leaders sith whatever that they actually have to create these beings that's crazy to me that the force is so mm-hmm. flat right now in the galaxy that they actually have to work at making these force capable beings
0: well i mean you go back to tross and we know that on Exegol, There was a whole stadium full of followers. Sith followers, but none of them willing to step up and
1: actually be... I mean, there are Sith troopers, but were they really? They weren't
0: actually Sith. They were actually just things in red armor. So I wonder, now now that you're kind of, you know, what you're saying I like because it makes sense and when you talk about Sith troopers I wonder if those were again, manufactured obviously clones with force maybe force blood in them. Who knows? I mean why why that was the
1: that was the description of them when they were released. Right. You know that never got displayed in the movies, but that was the description of them. So I mean we're I mean think about it. Are we ever gonna are we gonna see where the stormtroopers stop being stormtroopers and they actually like become the troopers that they harvested through um like kids in the galaxy and did um, what's his name? Per, what's his name's
0: program to get those troopers instead of using a clone army? Are we gonna we get good. there? Are we, we gonna good. get there? I, I mean, it makes sense because of where we're at. Again, timeline wise and everything, we know that the Hux. Empire I forget and name? the you know the New Order, First Order, and we know Hux is out there, and we know his dad. What his dad was doing, Brendel Hux, is what you're saying they were recruiting young kids. In conforming them to become these first order troopers. So now what's interesting, now that we're kind of, I'm thinking out loud here and, uh, you know, we know that Finn be- was force sensitive. We don't know how much, but you know, we could, he could, could, you know, he could feel the force at times. What if what we're saying is that these first, these first order troopers that they were reprogramming, Right. What if they were using what we're kind of finding out now, the blood of, you know, maybe it's Baby Yoda or whoever, right? And putting them into these children to become first, to become these first order troopers. And maybe that's why Finn became, you know, foreign sensitive because he had the blood in him. It's not like he was born like, like maybe like an Ahsoka or. Anybody like that that just kind of grew up and they had the four, you know what I'm saying? Like we know in Clone Wars. Right. They, you know, the Jedi were looking and, you know, had uh brought young children that they knew that were force sensitive. What if Finn wasn't obviously born that way, per se, but as a kid, he was, you know, they did whatever they did to these these first order troopers, use that technology, that cloning, that whatever kind of Sith uh not Sith magic, but the First Order um, <laughs> <It's> magic. right? <laughs> and what if that's why? What if maybe that's why Finn was Force sensitive? He had the manufactured Force. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, maybe right. I mean, it's possible. I mean, because we don't know the reprogramming. I I can't. I mean, anybody that listens to us, let us know if there maybe is great detail in a book that I haven't read yet. Or Andrew hasn't read yet, but maybe in Phasma. Think, was it in Phasma? Maybe a little uh, bit. Maybe. I, I, again, I didn't read that book. I'll be honest. I got. I had that's one on the list to read. But you know, this could be an explanation of why and how maybe Finn became force sensitive. It wasn't that he was "quote unquote" born with it like Anakin or Ahsoka or maybe Obi Wan or Yoda. Again, like you're saying, manufactured and then. It just at that point, like, kind of, he took, he he opened himself up to it, you know? And just like uh, the other ex-First uh, Order troopers that, and trust that we see, you know, they laid their guns down. It could be the same thing. So, again, a lot of possibilities, and I think that we will, like you're saying, I think we will get some answers, hopefully, and get a little more exposition and an explanation of what the remnants of the empire were doing. I mean, we know a little bit about it, but now we're kind of getting it, hopefully, in more depth, more detail of what's going on in the unknown regions and just across the galaxy as a whole. Like this little area of where we're at with um, man, you know, with the Mandalorians and Moff Gideon. So a lot of things we could we can you know take in. Again, speculate on from this episode. So, I mean, what are your kind of thoughts on all, all that? Maybe this is where we're headed. Well,
1: I'm kind of excited that we went this route
0: in this episode of
1: seeing more of what the Empire is up to. Cause I kind of had this feeling that we were kind of put into a tight box after the Bo Katan ep- episode, um, that maybe we're just there to save the Mandalorians and to reestablish Mandalore, which is cool. That needs to happen too. But the galaxy is so much larger than that, and the threat is so much larger than that as well, and we know what happens in the future. The New Republic doesn't stand anymore, and the First Order takes takes rule again. So I like that the scope stayed wide um, after this episode, because I was afraid that we were only going to be worrying about Mandalore. I mean, there's so much now. Now you kind of know a little bit why they're looking for the child. And but you still don't know. Like, is he an actual clone or is he not? It, how did they find yep. him? How do yep. they know That's that he's question. that he has a high M count? How do they know that he has force capabilities? But what's nice is you know that Pershing was taking him to utilize his blood. He wasn't taking him to clone him. He wasn't taking him to you know run tests on them and figure out how to make another one. He literally was just harvesting him. He was a donor for blood. The other thing that I find freaking fascinating is that they said that the blood failed in the previous um, things that they were working Volunteers, on yeah. And that they have another volunteer that is willing to take on another transfusion, but they're afraid that it will fail again. Who is this volunteer You know, is it someone that's already a tad force sensitive? Is this person someone that's going to transition into Snoke? You know, it's absolutely wild. Do I think they're making Palpatine's? No, I think Palpatine had a shell, multiple shells of himself. They said it in the Tross novel. He was a clone body in Tross and his essence, kind of like Voldemort, was inside of it and he needed a certain type of power to transition back into full form. So no, I don't think they're trying to create Palpatines. I think creating shells and doing all that is already in place. I do think that they're trying to create a supreme ruler that has full, strong force abilities that the galaxy can have fear and some people even rally around. So I do think it's a Snoke. Mm -hmm. I can't wait.
0: And we know, we do know that, obviously, Palpatine was, quote, unquote, Snoke. So, like you're saying. Like, he said he made Snoke. Right. Which is interesting. Right. So then maybe that's what we're seeing, is that he was trying to create a being that he could, again, maybe transfer his essence (laughs) to, to use and to keep tabs of what's, of what's going on what do you think about
1: that maybe him saying i made snoke is pretty much just like this guy was a part of my plan this guy was a part of project oh, cinder right. this right. guy was a part think, of right. my um contingency plan i came up with him i put people in place to create him. you know snoke is mine so i think that's kind of what that is i don't think it's the emperor
0: in snoke i could be wrong okay no, I get you. No, that, that maybe makes more sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, just it, it leads to a lot of possibilities. It leads, this whole episode leads to a lot of possibilities. I think so here. I mean, let's talk predictions maybe for, for next week. You know, I, obviously, I think we will, we're going to uh, Corvus. We're going to run into Ahsoka Tano. I do feel like what's going to happen, because right now in the season, there's the stakes, there's no stakes yet. I think we feel it's coming. We know it's coming, so I feel that you know he will get to Corvus. He will speak to Ahsoka, but I think Moff Gideon's going to show up with the dark saber. I think him and Ahsoka might have a small battle when she has her lightsaber. He has his. He has a dark saber, and I personally think I don't. Know, I think he's going to get the child. I don't know if it's going to be this episode or the next. But that's where the stake has to be, right? I think that's where we're going to go. And I think at some point, you know, Din's going to realize that this is the way isn't really the way. That he can take his helmet off. That he's not, he doesn't have to follow this, you know, religious zealot way of being the Mandalorian. He's going yeah. to. And I think that's the moment that's going to happen is when, you know, Baby Yoda is in trouble. And I think he, that's when he's going to be like, you know what? I have to do what I have to do. I can't follow this this certain way anymore. And I think he's going to, you know, eventually take his helmet off and be okay with it and everything like that. But that's kind of where I'm at. I know we're getting, a. I mean, my mind is still being blown that we are getting a live action Ahsoka Tano. I mean, it's happening. Like, it's 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 happening. It's crazy. Dave Floney, right. And Dave Floney is writing it which is fabulous. He deserves it. He, he, uh, I would have been upset if that wasn't the case, you know? So it's great that he is writing this episode that's coming up and he is directing it. So he gets the first crack at writing and directing live action. So Sokotana. and it's well-deserved. And he, he props to Dave and, you know, let's give shout out to Ashley Eckstein for all the work she has done. With bringing that character to life and bringing that character to the forefront and bringing that character, you know, to Star Wars lore and making that character a beloved character, when in the beginning that was a little bit of doubt, you know, and it's going to be fun to see, not like not hardcore fans like us. We kind of discussed, we kind of talked about this at the on the Star Wars Friends podcast, but you know, seeing the Non hard, non hardcore Star Wars fans, their reaction to sokotano, and you know the the exposition that they hopefully will give is that she was the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker and everything like that. It's gonna be interesting to see people's reaction when we know her journey. We've seen her journey through Clone Wars, through Rebels. We know what you know what she's been through. So to see her now is gonna be cool for us. It's gonna be interesting for me. To see like reactions as general fans, as kind of the general audience of who, you know who Ahsoka Tano is because, again, they know the name Anakin Skywalker. I think the general audience know who Anakin Skywalker was. Yeah. They know obviously that's Luke's dad. They know he was Vader. So it's gonna be interesting to when they kind of start putting the pieces together, and like, man, he had a Padawan, you know, during right. this time and that time. It's going to be really, really cool. I mean, what are you, what are you expecting next week, and what, what, what's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, uh, I know that the name Ahsoka Tano doesn't exist in Star Wars cinematic universe. It just doesn't. You know, with fans that just watch the movies, they have no idea and no clue um, what a pivotal character this is um, and how it's... Super
0: it pivotal, sh- super pivotal, yeah.
1: It shaped um, the re- how she shaped the Rebellion, how she shaped uh, the Clone Wars, um, Anakin. I mean, she even affected Yoda, Obi-Wan, uh, she, uh, Maul, <laughs> I mean, uh, Rex. I mean, her character is so strong and affects so many different other elements within Star Wars. It is, it is going to be very interesting to see if that can get translated in The Mandalorian. Because it's kind of, Ahsoka Tano is overwhelming if you don't know who she is. She really is to say everything that she's done, you know, or to try to explain her place. That's an overwhelming story. So it will be very interesting if Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau can accomplish that in a smaller scope because they're going to have to. They're not going to. They're not going to be able to give, like, the documentary of Ahsoka Tano in the middle of The Mandalorian to catch people up on it. So, so I um, have to hit the
0: high point. And yeah, there's some so way, many. You know, she, she will have to explain that, you know, obviously he's looking for a Jedi. We know she's not a Jedi. So it's going to be interesting for people to be like, then why did bo send Din to her if we know bo knew knew that, that she's not a Jedi? Yeah. So, like, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be, again, the conversations... I think the conversation between Ahsoka and Din will be very interesting. Yeah. What do you think?
1: The other thing is Ahsoka doesn't really toot her own horn, you know? She's very humble. Uh, She um, maybe doesn't identify as a Jedi right now. You don't even know. So, it's going to be, like, really complicated. For us, I'm a little nervous since our expectation is so high of of who Ahsoka Tano is that this could hurt some of us. I mean, let's be honest. I do feel like it might rip the fandom a little bit when people have high expectations of what, of who a character is and what a character is to them. You know, Ashley Eckstein's not doing the voice. It's rumored that it's Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka Tano and her voice will not be Ashley Eckstein's voice. It will be her own voice. There's always been already been controversy about that. Because if anybody loves Ahsoka Tano, they love hearing her in that voice. I mean, even if you're listening to the audio novel of Ahsoka, Ashley reads it. It's, and, it and it's perfect because that's the way you, you hear Ahsoka. But the thing is, is that she's older. She's, she's matured. Her voice is matured. Maybe does it change that much? We have no idea. Um, so I am a little nervous of the discourse. There's always Star Wars discourse on um, that yeah, might happen. Yeah. So I'm really trying to keep an open mind and not have high expectations of what we're going to see with Ahsoka. She's such a major character in the Star Wars universe. I am completely excited that people are going to be able to experience her.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you said it really good my My expectations, I'm trying to like you said, lower them and yeah. kind of reel it in, but just the fact that we are gonna see her a live action in live action form i mean it's just it it means so much I think to fans like us because we wanted to see her, i think in live action i think that's how much I think fans respect her. Mm-hmm. And that they want to see that character in live action, so people that don't watch, you know, the animated programs like we do, can experience her. And now, though, the good, the great thing about bringing a character in like a Sokotano is that you know you can tell your casual friends who's you know a Star Wars fan, but maybe they're they they haven't watched Clone Wars, Rebels. Maybe they are just the movies, and they they started watching The Mandalorian. We now, as fans, as hardcore fans, we can tell these people, man, you got to watch this, 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 this if you really want to know who Ahsoka who Tano really is and what she means to the Star Wars fandom and what she means to the Star Wars universe overall. I mean, she is. She is probably one of the greatest characters, I think, that we have gotten in a, in a very, very long time. And it's been... Years since she's been in in Clone Wars and in Rebels, and like you said, Ashley Eckstein has done a fabulous job with that character to bring her to life. So it's going to be weird to not hear that her voice, her voice as you know, Ahsoka Tano. But I I have full full trust in Dave Filoni. He's the one that created that character. He's the one that brought in brought that character to life along with Ashley Eckstein. If anybody is going to direct the person that's playing live action Ahsoka and make sure that it is done right and it's done well, it's Dave Filoni. And Dave Filoni is doing this episode, wrote this episode that's coming up. So I have full, I have full confidence in, in Filoni. So, again, while my expectations are high and maybe, again, nervous about it as well, I think I think we'll be okay. I don't know. What do you think? You know about that?
1: Yeah, especially since Fil- Filoni is heading it up, uh, that we can have peace of mind for that. I also like that we got to see the Siege of Mandalore in Clone Wars before we get to see this resurgence of Ahsoka Tano in a later timeline. Yeah, because it was yeah. good to see how she repaired things with Anakin after leading the Jedi Order, how she fought one more time, you know, side by side with Rex and where she was during Order 66. It's nice that that has been completed and we know what that looks like to move her into this time after the rebellion has defeated the Empire and we're in this time of possible peace, but obviously we're not. Let me ask you this. You want Ahsoka as a main character in the Mandalorian or you want her just in in small cameos? Small cameos. Small cameos
0: like Rebels. I think that's the perfect spot for a character like her. I mean, again, it worked so well in Rebels because you got her and you got more back, you know, more character development through her. But it was in small doses and it was it was just perfect. It was perfect. So I expect her to obviously show up next week. I don't know if she'll be in the rest of the season, but I, I I would assume she'll be, again, a person that Din can go to maybe later on in, in the series or just throughout the series. Somebody that he can talk to or communicate with. And a person that understands what Baby Yoda is and what Baby Yoda can do. I think that's where it's going to be interesting for Ahsoka and Din to kind of talk about, you know, the force and what Baby Yoda is, because he has no idea. As Volkatan asked him last week, what do you know about the Jedi? He knows nothing. Yeah, He knows nothing. So I think he'll get a big explanation this week by Ahsoka of what the Jedi were, are. And again, her saying that she's not a Jedi will be interesting in Din's reaction as well.
1: If she says that, maybe she's come to terms with it and she is a Jedi now. You know what I never thought I needed, but I realized this week that I do is a Tano and Luke Skywalker meeting. Because mm. in this point, mm. at this point, Luke knows that his father has been redeemed, that he saved, you know, that Darth Vader saved Luke Skywalker from El- Emperor Palpatine. He had taken his helmet off. He claimed Luke Skywalker as his son, um, wanted to let his daughter know that he, there was still good and um could you imagine Ahsoka and Luke being able to have those conversations about what they know of Anakin with each other because I think Ahsoka needs that Ahsoka needs to know that Anakin redeemed himself in those yep. last minutes yep. of his life because the last time she saw him he said that there That's was yep. there there was no Anakin Skywalker so I never thought I needed that. I don't know if I need it in the Mandalorian. Maybe if they start spinning off all these, you know, rebel sequels or whatever they're going to do, I would love for once to have a Luke Skywalker. Ahsoka Tano conversation.
0: I need it. I need it. I think that'd be great. I think me personally, I think if, if at some point she tells Mando, Mando Dindajaran that he has to go seek out Luke Skywalker, to me, that would represent that they have talked already. They yeah. have had conversations. Right. I need that. Yeah. I need that. And, I, I, <laughs> and that, was, that was great that you said because, again, Ahsoka needs to know that Anakin came around. Yeah. He needs to know that. She deserves that. Yeah. she deserves to know that he became the master that she always knew and that he saved, you know, his own son. From the Emperor, because she knew exactly I what I what yep. Luke knew
1: that yep. there was still good in um She knew it. She held on to that thought for so long, even after you know that um, like monumental battle and rebels. If you haven't seen that, my God, <laughs> what is that? The Twilight of the Apprentice. Yep. Get on! Yep. I think I'm going to watch that right
0: when I get off <laughs> of recording That's because great, it, I, I'm in the middle of my rebels rewatch, and I, it's uh, it's coming up. It's coming up. Huge, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 mean, this this episode was great because it, again, it's setting up so much to come down. Not oh, even yeah. at the end of this season, but I think yeah. moving forward, yeah, I think you're 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 planting the seeds of what is you know who who we have to worry about. Obviously, we know it's Moff Gideon. We know that he has now the capability to take on. Din and his and all of his friends for sure if we believe that these obviously the dark troopers are going to be these very formidable villains for our heroes to fight it's going to be great you know so i yeah i this episode was great carl weather's did a great job uh directing it and I mean, again some of my favorite
1: up. some of my favorite shots ever in the mandalorian happened in this episode those scout mm-hmm. troopers dropping mm-hmm. off of that 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 edge, that ledge, that cliff, whatever you want to call it, them running into each other. The TIE fighters, that chase scene was absolutely fantastic. I thought the action was well choreographed. The humor that they throw in with Baby Yoda, it cuts um, the tension and the seriousness of what's going on in the galaxy so well. Um, This season is solid. This season is so
0: solid. I can't get over it. Yeah, it's... Again, you can... uh... Season one was good. It was a great setup. But as we know, and I think we might have talked about this last week, but we know that a lot of expense went into building this volume, which is what they are shooting this show in. Yeah. So their budget was a little bit limited. Now it's it's all going to the show, not just the volume. Yeah. So you can tell production-wise they stepped it up as far as cleaning some stuff. And being able to do different things now, now that they can throw in more money at CGI or the editing, like they can do more with what they have. So I yeah, I can't wait for next week. I think, you know, Ahsoka Tano showing up is going to blow my mind. I don't know how I'm going to handle it. And it's <laughs> going to be interesting. Like, obviously, I, I know it's not going to be Ashley saying, no, the words that are going to be coming out. But I, I think I can get over that. I I really do. I think I can get past that. I think I can just be excited to see that character. You know why you know? I think I can get over it? Because I can get over, like, Solo.
1: Like, I didn't have to right, always right. see Harrison Ford as Han Solo, you know? And is there another situation in Star Wars where someone changed? I can't remember. Mm, not that it comes to my mind. No. no. But... I mean, it happens all the time in film that another character has to yep. Harry yep. Potter. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God! Did you hear the rumor that they might do a young Snape? <laughs> Adam Driver might play it. I know oh it's God, like the fakest will. rumor ever, but <laughs> oh, that'd be maybe. funny. But um, anyway, we just got off on a Harry Potter uh segue or <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I think I will be all right with it. I mean, what threw me for a loop was Bo-Katan. The fact that it was the character Mm -hmm. playing and voicing Mm -hmm. the live action character, that actually threw me for a loop because I was listening a little harder. I was paying a little bit more attention to her acting skills, to her, um, you know, the way that she was executing like her character. I paid way more close attention than I feel like I should have when that episode first dropped and it kind of like took me out for a minute because I was like, yeah, I guess that really is her. Should that be her? Like, yeah, that is her voice, you know?
0: Right. right, So I think
1: now knowing that it's just going to be something I'm not used to, maybe that will be
0: better for all of us. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I, Katie Sackhoff, God, I... But was she, dope. Did she did so good. good. She did so good. Yeah, uh, I, I'm hoping we see more Bo-Katan, but... Me too. Uh, But yeah, great episode. And like like we said earlier, we have no idea, we don't, we have not seen any trailer footage that was in these last four episodes. We have seen everything via trailer in the first four episodes. So now... I mean, just think about what they showed us these first four episodes. And now we are going to unknown territory. I, I think we're about to go on a crazy wild ride and it's going to be great. You think we're gonna going get to get a mid-season great. trailer? No, 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 no. I think there, there, we never got one last season. So I, I think we're just going to be humping along and we're just going to keep going. What do it's you think? Great. What do you think Corvus is going to be like? Foresty, deserty? Well, what she said it was a uh, a forest moon. Did she say forest moon, or did she say just the moon Corvus? So I, yeah, I mean that's going to be interesting to see what um what that's going to look like. I feel it's going to be like more foresty than anything, but that's just my that's just my guess. That's just my guess. But oh god, yeah, it's going to be a great. Next week's going to be crazy. It's going to be great. Uh, especially being Ahsoka Tano's fans, as we are, it's gonna yeah. Be it's cool. a forest planet, of Corvus. Okay, so foresty. Yep, we'll definitely get that. Uh, maybe I bet you it's gonna feel Endori. Yeah, like Endorish. I feel yeah. like, yeah, I can see that. So, our last thought. Think pal, there'll huh? be Ewoks. Hey, you never
1: know. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool, dude. Bring me some murder bears. Murder
0: bears. Ah, uh, last thoughts, pal. Anything? <laughs> no, I'm good. What do you oh, got? Yeah. I- I mean, it was good. It was a great episode. I can't wait for next week. It's going to be wild, kids. So uh, let's let's buckle up for these last four episodes. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to our Mando Chapter 12, The Siege Recap. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, If you listen to this episode, you can follow uh, this episode and more. Uh, Our episodes are on Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Pod, iHeartRadio anywhere in any uh, platform we should be on. If we're not, let us know so we can get on it. Uh, you can follow the Galactic Podcast at The Galactic Pod on Twitter. And then you can follow me, Lauren Romo, on Twitter and Instagram at Nose. You can
1: follow me, Andrea Gutierrez at R2D2Step on Twitter.
0: And as always, kids, may that force be with you. Always. Always.